Would you turn your Bible to the 8th chapter of Acts? Acts chapter 8. This has been a highlight, long-to-be-remembered service already. Thank God for what He is doing, the way He is blessing. And these men who have shared with us their souls, both the, the deacons and those men in the quartet, just wonderful. Very briefly tonight, the subject, they that have used the office well. They that have used the office well. Obviously that's found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 13, the climax to that section of scripture that deals with the qualifications for a deacon and a pastor. They that have used for the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness of the faith which is in Christ Jesus. With that as a background, I want you to turn to Acts 8. <clears throat> and we want to look at the, just some highlights, three or four highlights in the life of one of those early deacons. The other Wednesday evening, we spoke on Stephen. In the sixth chapter of Acts, there were four qualifications laid down for men who would serve that great church at Jerusalem. These men were to be men of honest report, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with wisdom, who were available to be appointed over this business. Those four simple qualifications. Number one, men of honest report. That is, they had an honest report of those on the outside, those on the inside. Integrity, righteousness, godly living. Secondly, men who were filled with the Holy Spirit. The evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is not how high you can jump or how much you can shout. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Nor clapping your hands, nor raising your hands. Nothing wrong with that or speaking in tongues, if God gives you the gift of tongues, other languages to get the gospel out to the ends of the earth. Nothing wrong with that. But the real evidence of the fullness of the Holy Spirit is telling others about Jesus. If you read about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, every time he is mentioned, it's in connection with making bold the witness of the disciples. Jesus promised you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. So that second qualification, man filled with the Holy Spirit, is a man who has given evidence of a compassion and concern for souls. Thirdly, a man who's filled with wisdom. Now the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from the Word of God. There's no way to real have spiritual wisdom without getting it from God's Word. Knowledge is an accumulation of facts. There are a lot of people knowledgeable. Wisdom is the spiritual judgment about how to use those facts. And the scripture says, one of the qualifications for a man who is to serve the Lord in this special ministry is to be filled with wisdom. And the only way we can get wisdom is from the word of God. And the fourth qualification 
whom we may appoint over this business. That is, they'll take time to be available to be appointed over this business. Now, a man who is a pastor, a man who is a deacon, will be busy, 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 but never too busy to do the first work that God called him to do. And if there should ever come in any of our hearts the thought, I'm just too busy to do this work, we need to get along with God and go back and find out why God chose us for this work. He chose us because we were busy. He doesn't call lazy people to do his service. He called us because we were busy, but he said, I have some priorities for you. And among those priorities is to wait on my people, serve my people, and reach my people. Now among the men that were chosen that day were Stephen and Prochorus and Teman and Nicanor and Nicholas and among them was Philip. We've spoken a lot about Stephen being the first Christian martyr. He was unashamed to stand on the street corner and give his testimony. And God used him in such a marvelous way in the giving of his testimony. There was a young man over there where he laid their, they laid their coats. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He hated the church. He hated Jesus. But his heart was melted when he saw the sincerity and concern of this young deacon Stephen. Later on, he went over to kill the Christians at Damascus, and on the way, he heard again and again, I see Jesus. He heard it in his mind and in his heart. And outside the ancient city of Damascus, he got on the floor before God, and the voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, he said who are you, sir? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And then Saul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Saul of Tarsus yielded his heart to Jesus. Why? Because of the testimony and ministry of a deacon, Stephen. Now what about Philip? Well, in the eighth chapter of Acts, we read some precious things about this man. And the theme is in verse 8. And there was great joy in that city. Now in order to understand why there was joy, let's go back to verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. There was joy because something was happening. The reason something was happening is because there was a joy-filled, spirit-filled man. A man who was a servant in the church. Nobody really knew much about Philip before this. You don't read anything about him. Matter of fact, don't read much about him later. There are just four or five things mentioned about Philip. And I want to give them to you tonight. Number one, he witnessed where there was a need. I started to say he was not little-minded. 
You could put it another way, he was broad-minded, if you understand it correctly, or he was not prejudiced. Let me give you the background. The Jews and the Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. They hated each other. You would never find a Jew going into Samaria. The ordinary way you'd go from Jerusalem up to Galilee, you go down the Jericho Road, cross the Jordan River, go up on the other side, and then come just south of the Galilee, Sea of Galilee and come back into, into the Palestine area and then go on to Nazareth or Capernaum or wherever you wanted to go. The Jews never went the other way because the Samaritans lived there. They hated them. But here was Philip. He knew the Lord. Now as to how much he knew the Lord personally before the resurrection, I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But he knew Jesus now. You remember Jesus himself ministered in Samaria. And Philip went up to Samaria, the hated country of the Samaritans, and preached unto them Jesus. So the first thing we noticed about Philip was he was broad-minded in the sense that he was not narrow-minded as far as who he could reach. He was willing to witness where there was a need. He was willing to go where there was a need. He was willing to do the menial things, if you will. Jesus taught us that at the Last Supper when he had the disciples sit down and wash their feet. And Peter said, Lord, don't just wash my feet, wash me all over. And Jesus said, you don't need that. You've just gotten some dirt on you. You need to be washed just your feet. In other words, we need a daily cleansing. But the Lord used this little tool of washing disciples' feet, menial task, to show how important it is to be willing to do anything in the name of Jesus. And that's what Philip did. He went down to Samaria, preached unto them Jesus, and there was great joy in the city. Now, men, because you're being ordained, Brother Harold, Brother Danny, because you're being ordained to this ministry of the diaconate, it is our prayer that there will be much joy in the city of Bowling Green and in the Glendale Baptist Church because you have been willing to be used by God wherever you're needed, wherever the need is. And you'll never say, I'm too busy to minister to the shut-ins, to go visit the lost, to go do the work of God, to be faithful to His church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and be faithful all down the line. That's why there was great joy in that city. Secondly, if you look in Acts 8.26, you find something else. And an angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. Philip knew how to be led by the Holy Spirit. He knew how to be led by the Holy Spirit. There are voices that constantly come to us. Now listen. Those voices sometimes are conditioned by what we watch with our eyes and what we hear with our ears. If we're busy watching the movies and watching Hollywood actors, and we're busy looking for pornography, where our ears are hearing all kinds of dirty filth, four-letter words and dirty barnyard language and jokes and stuff like that that turn the stomach of God, you're not going to hear the leading of the Holy Spirit. You'll be deaf to it. But if you'll sanctify your ears and your eyes and your heart 
to the things of God and let God speak to you through his word. Be alone with God. There's going to be some times when you'll be led by the Holy Spirit and he'll show you exactly, precisely what to do. And Philip went down to the road of Gaza and there he had an appointment with a man that was on his way down to Ethiopia. And that Ethiopian eunuch heard about Jesus from the lips of Philip and he was one to Christ. And he went on his way after Philip had baptized him. And later, we learned that that Ethiopian eunuch started a Christian colony down in the heart of Ethiopia. And Halle Salas and that group who were murdered by the communists a number of years ago were a testimony that early in the, in the Christian movement, in the early years, there was an Ethiopian eunuch that came down there and started that Christian colony. And one of the common names down there was the name Philip because they named some children after that man that won the eunuch to Jesus. He was led by the Holy Spirit. Now men, be led by the Holy Spirit of God. Great responsibility is in the hearts of deacons and pastor to be the leaders, spiritual leaders, example leaders, but we must get our leadership from the Holy Spirit. He Amen. must show us what to do. Thirdly, if you look in chapter Acts 21, verses 8 and 9, you find an interesting statement tucked away in this scripture. Another thing we learn about Philip, Acts 21, verses 8 and 9. And the next day, we were, we that were with of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, he's called an evangelist here, who was one of the seven and abode with him. The same man had four daughters, virgins who did prophesy. Now I get from that passage that Philip had a godly home. He was able to train up his children the way they should go. And one of the great disappointments, and young people, I wish you'd listen to this. If you're a young person here tonight and kin to somebody who is a Christian adult trying to live for Christ, don't rebel against your mother or daddy. Don't rebel against their spiritual faith in Christ. Those four daughters grew up in Philip's home and they learned to love Jesus. They learned it, I think, through reading the Word of God and watching their daddy operate. And they, instead of rebelling, they just got as close to the Lord as they possibly could and God began to reveal things through them. I don't know what the office of a prophetess was, but I think Bertha Smith was a prophetess. Some of you knew Bertha Smith years. She's gone to be with the Lord now in her hundredth year. She was a marvelous missionary for years. I think she had the gift of, of prophecy, that is, of telling forth the Word of God. Now, Bertha Smith was the first to say, I'm not a woman preacher. God doesn't call women to preach. But boy, she was filled with God's Spirit and loved God with all of her heart and was able and willing to share what the Lord had laid on her heart. That was the way with these four girls in that home. 
Now, men, God wants you to be responsible for your home. There's no way to avoid that. Spend some quality time with these young people. Quality time. You may not be able to be with them all the time, but spend some quality time with them. God will bless you as you do that. One of the heartbreaks of men who serve God is when their children don't serve God. It's a heartbreak. It's a hurt. One of the things that's outstanding about Philip was he had some children that followed in his stead. That doesn't say anything about other children he might have had that didn't follow in his stead, didn't follow in his train. But I want to say to the families of these men who serve as deacons, to their wives, to their children, don't ever find yourself rebelling or recording against the time your daddy or your husband gives to the work of God. Instead, give them a hand of applause. When they come in, they've been in meetings and, and uh, long meetings sometimes and haven't been able to be with you instead of saying, well, that church just demands too much of your time. Instead of being angry and fretful, say, I'm so glad that my husband and my daddy serve God in the church instead of being out at some saloon or whiskey joint or somewhere out there on drugs. I'm glad their God is using them like he is. Now there's another thing. I want you to look at eight, Acts 8.34. Acts 8.34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Philip. Serve tables? Yes. That's the reason he was chosen. But he also found time to preach Jesus, to tell others about Jesus. Man, the highest task that a preacher or a deacon ever will have is to tell other people about Jesus. God never intended the deacons to be a house of representatives. You're just not that at all. God didn't plan for you to go out and say, well, I represent this segment and this segment and this segment. This, this group over here don't like what's going on. This group don't like what's going on. So I've come to vote in their favor. That's for the birds. God, there's not one word of scripture about that in the Bible. The deacons are not a board of a, a, a house of representatives. They're not a senate. They're not a, a board of any kind. They're a body of men who have been called to stand with their pastor in helping to lead in example and spiritual influence and faith and prayer the Lord's church to go forward for Christ. And Philip demonstrated that by everywhere he went going to preach the glorious gospel and tell others about Jesus. Men, you're being ordained tonight not just for two or three months or two or three years but for all of life. Should there ever come a time in your life when you say, I don't want the faith of Jesus Christ any longer. I don't want to serve him. I'm going to go out here somewhere and live like I want to live any old way. I want to tell you, you need to bring your ordination certificate back and turn it into the church. Amen. Right. Amen. But stand for the things of God. 
That doesn't mean you won't ever make any mistakes. That doesn't mean you never sin. But there's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. And when we come to him for cleansing and forgiveness, he forgives and cleanses and sends us back going again. Jonah made a terrible, terrible mistake in his early life. He said, no, I'll not go preach to Nineveh. We serve a God of the second chance. And the third chapter of Jonah says, the word of God came the second time to Jonah saying, go back. So when we fail God, let's just go back and serve him and serve him and be faithful to him. Be faithful unto death and I will give thee the crown of life. If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, you don't know Jesus as your savior, let me encourage you to give your heart to Christ. Come to trust him and love him. and Put your life on the line for him and be what God wants you to be. Maybe somebody here this evening who needs to just update your spiritual faith. You need to get going again. You need to come and say, I want to restore my covenant, renew my covenant in the Lord. Or I want to move my letter to this church. Or I want to come and trust Jesus for the first time as my Savior. Or I've been saved and I need to be baptized. Whatever God spoke to you about, will you do it? May we bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for these men who will serve you in the diaconate. We pray thou wilt guide them and bless them and fill them with the love and power and liberty and freedom of the Holy Spirit. And God, we pray that there will be great joy in the city of Bowling Green because of this service tonight. And some men catch a blaze and a fire for God and go out and start winning others to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. We're going to sing 146. Page 146. Isn't that the number? 146. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe.